Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. I'm your host, Ken Stearns, and a beautiful day here in Phoenix as I travel uh, in my van, which you just saw there, looking for that common thread among the stories in America, and definitely was mental health. And, um, you know, so I started this podcast in on March 3rd, got about 100 episodes already done. There's 100 guests creating a really good fabric, a little beehive of information around really around mental health on the treatment side and, and, and how people are using their personal stories like we uncover on the jar to kind of share those journeys and then share what you know their own learnings and insights. So we're creating a nice little fabric here. We've got a we've got a thread all the way through to um, to AI so you can you can Google or you can search any episode or search the website and uh, search all of the transcripts and find anything out that we've talked about. And, you know, today I've got, got uh, Posture Monster John. <laughs> I love that. I love that title. I've got John Clark uh, with us as a guest today. Uh, welcome, John. Well, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John and I met about uh, about two weeks ago, I guess, two, yeah, two yeah, something two weeks, ago. weeks ago. Yeah, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, John was a guest on the uh, JAR podcast, which you saw there. And, you know, John's story was when I when I met him, we were just kind of, you know, we got along really well, uh, had a great chat, a great interview. And his story just was so heavy on the mental health side and super impressed with how he kind of navigated. I think, John, how you really navigated your journey. And and then in the end, I mean, just, you know, being open, even though you were closed. <laughs> and it took somebody to kind of open the door a little bit. You remained open. You know, you did remain open. Mm -hmm. And you took that you took that little uh, you took that little breadcrumb and it led you somewhere. And it's interesting how your journey is really now turning into something where you're going to really be power, a powerful advocate and a great voice for a lot of people. Um, so welcome to the show. And man, tell tell people a little bit. You know, I mean, it sounds like really it's a stretch, right? Mental health and posture. I'm sure some people are like, all right, yeah, sure. What's going to happen now? And it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. Yeah. And there's one more facet we need to throw into there. And at least in terms of my story with mental health, uh, that was chronic pain. Yeah. Um, That's I, right. The chronic pain. I, I, I suffered from severe chronic pain uh, from the time I broke my back when I was 17 years old. Uh, for the next about 18 and a half years, it took me to get out of pain. God. And it, it, uh, I eventually ended up in a wheelchair. I spent about three, over three and a half years in a wheelchair. Um, I was at a point where everything the medical system had tried failed. I, 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 I couldn't get better. I was at a point where I was ready to commit suicide. Uh, and 
I got very fortunate that that's when I finally found something that worked. Mm. And for me, that was posture therapy. Just not, I mean, <laughs> like, it sounds so goofy, honestly. It does. Like, it does. <laughs> I, got, I learned how to sit up straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh Jesus! Like that we, can't really be it, right? Well, when we when we really look at posture therapy, we're looking at you know, posture is in kind of layman's terms, people just think of sitting and standing straight. Yes, absolutely, but, absolutely. But when we really get deeper into it, we're looking at the relative positions of all the major joints in the body, mm. and more importantly than what they look like statically, what do they do when they try to move? Uh, you know, mm. if, if, having good posture is really a side effect of having full functional range of motion in all the joints in your body. That's really well said. I like that. That's actually a result of something else, like a yeah. really healthy, healthy body and joints. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's about holistically repairing or mm. rehabilitating the entire musculoskeletal system. And for so many people, you know, if you're suffering from chronic pain, if, if, if you're, if you're not suffering from mental health problems as well, you're, uh, you're, you're probably one of the most resilient people out there. <laughs> because if, if you're suffering from really severe chronic pain for long enough, I mean, it, it just steals your entire life. Yeah. And it's not surprising that there's about it when we look at, uh, some populations of uh, various mental health conditions. We're looking at comorbidities with chronic pain of up to 80%, uh, especially when we're looking at veterans, when we're looking at um, uh, lots of PTSD, if it came, if it was coming with an accident or yes. uh, physical trauma of some kind. And even with even absent physical trauma, the brain is able to produce physical symptoms as a way of bringing attention to the emotional symptoms. Right. Wow. Uh, okay. So a lot of people in our culture, we find that this can be stigmatized a bit that, that, that if the brain, if there's nothing physically wrong and you're mm. in pain, that it's very easy for patients who are in this position to, um, be told by doctors it's all in their head or that they're malingering yes. or that they're making it up trying to, and not just doctors, by the insurance companies, by uh, social security, by, by uh, various institutions that uh, when, hmm. when the reasons for the physical distress is not so apparent. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty brutal, right? You're, you're in chronic pain. And then at some point the machine turns on you. Mm -hmm. And there are countless people in our country in that type of position. Yes. I, I would imagine a lot of, and a lot of people probably exit by suicide. Yeah. And that was by the time I was in a wheelchair and, you know, I had broken my back, um, what, 14 years before I ended up in a wheelchair. Um, I had had surgery and the surgery worked for like a year or two. And then the pain started getting worse again. You know, um, I had carpal tunnel syndrome. I get the surgery there and it doesn't work. And from the outside, and a, a, a person looking at my situation could say, well, he's just making it up so he can get disability pay or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But from my perspective, 
the, I, I, I felt that my life had no value because uh, our country, our culture is so, put such an emphasis on being a productive member of society. And yes. when you're told, when you're being told, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do this, but you need to do it anyway. You, know, like, <laughs> you need to go do this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's a tough situation. Yeah, that's um, brutal. How I you kind of I think that was really interesting. Part of the conversation for me was when you were talking about the the realization of the structure of the body. You know, you got that book, and then you're able to kind of visualize, you know, right. how how to create the prop. You know, all these exercises and the mechanics of the body. I think that's mm-hmm. so interesting, right? That you're able to because you you said earlier, good posture is a result of ability to have this kind of to understand how the body should sit and yeah how the, and, and, how the limbs and the muscles and everything are connected right yeah so when we look when we're talking about posture here's a really simple explanation for why postural problems or what i i, what I refer to as postural problems can cause pain so mm. we talked about deviations dysfunctions and compensations. Those are the three big concepts within posture therapy. So a deviation would be something we see that's wrong. So maybe we see someone with, uh, you know, one shoulder higher than the other. You start walking around and actually start paying attention to people's shoulders. Very (laughs) few people are walking around with level shoulders. Right. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very few. But if we start looking at the, uh, at some of the people with one shoulder lower like this, and then ask them to put their shoulder or arm above their head. What we might find is that they're not able to simply do this. Okay. What they might be sitting in this type of position and they get to some position, then they have to lift up their shoulder, uh, yeah, shoulder they have girdle. Lift, yeah. Then they yeah. bend in the spine and this is how <laughs> they lift their arm over their head. So that's so, oh my God, that's so true, right? They can lift their arm over their head, but mechanically it's not correct. It, yeah, we got so the dysfunction is the inability to do this. Yeah, deviate deviation is what we see. The dysfunction okay. is this lack of range of motion. They can't just do this. The okay. compensation is this. Yeah, right. So you got muscles in here working too hard. You've got muscles along the side of the body working too hard. These are all the compensations that are occurring because the shoulder can't do this simple job here. Yes. And it's the compensations for so many people. The compensations are what's actually hurting. It's the muscles and the muscle groups, the joints, the soft okay. tissues that are yeah. being asked to work too hard, being yeah. asked to do jobs that are outside of their primary design parameters, right? My trapezius and all, all these muscles along the, you know, the laterals, the spinal muscles and rhomboid over here, like all, all these types of muscles over here aren't designed and the muscles up here aren't designed to do a lot of work. If I just want to do this. Yeah. So it's not surprising that they start complaining because they're, asked, they're being asked to do too much work. Right. Um, this is, and you can have these types of, these types of dysfunctional movement patterns, dysfunctional and compensational movement patterns all over the body. You can have them in the hips, the knees, the feet, the, the spine and, yeah. and things far away can be compensating for something dysfunctioning that, you know, you're, you can have compensations in the upper body for dysfunctions in the lower body. There's, there's all, or vice versa. 
and one side of the body for something just you know one, one side of the body dysfunctioning another side of the body uh, on the lower body compensating you can have all types of these cross patterns uh, lots of weird things going on with our bodies because we are so geared to keep on moving right yeah and that our mental health depends on our ability to keep on moving properly as well right if we are we are a species who you know 10,000 100,000 200,000 years ago our survival depended on movement moving yeah if you didn't move movement. you were probably going to you were probably going to be dead eventually you're definitely you're definitely going to die yeah definitely going to die if you can't move and so our bodies are able to compensate when some one thing stops working our bodies are, are designed to mm. compensate to keep us moving so it, it's a, it's a survival mechanism yeah but yeah what happens if those pile up to such a degree that overall movement is is, is being compromised to the point that it's incredibly painful right uh well, our mental health is going to begin to suffer because, at a deep level, we know we're supposed to keep moving, <laughs> and we're yeah, not able I, we're not able to complete the tasks. And, and, and now, yes, this things yeah. have kind of flipped on our head. We're now we can't we have to stop moving to survive. Now it's go sit in your car, go sit at your desk, go sit on the subway, go go sit on the couch, you know, sit in the classroom, <laughs> sit in the class. Yeah. Yes, and when we're young, sit in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, which is in, in a long time, like for kids. Yeah, like yes. we're not designed as children. We're really not yeah, designed six, to sit in a six classroom. Six to eight hours a day, no. Six to eight, yeah, six to eight. <laughs> well, we do get 30 minutes for recess, to yeah. be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do get those 30 minutes. Um, yeah, it is. I, I mean, I look back at my own, like my own life at points in times, not really knowing my body. You know, having those hip pains from from whatever sitting in an airplane or sleeping funny and not really understanding the mechanics of the body, but being really fortunate over time to have some good personal trainers uh, to work with some good trainers and to have Mm -hmm. some good exposure to massage Mm -hmm. some people that knew the technical and could share with what they're doing, you know, share with me what they're doing and trying to address. Um. And just learning, like you said, weird things like, you know, having a back spasm, you know, getting out of bed and not being able to stand up, just being able to crawl. I remember and being in tremendous pain and then eventually finding out it was a it was basically like my sciatic, some part of my sciatic. or was a nerve in my ass, Mm -hmm. a a tendon. It was a tendon in my Mm -hmm. booty that Mm -hmm. had cinched that had cinched up. Right, and yeah. as it's as it's cinched and, and contracted, it pulled on my back muscles, and right. eventually, my my back muscle froze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and every, the, everything's it, connected. It didn't, make, it didn't make any sense, right? <laughs> I'm mistaken. Everything I, I gotta, is connected. Yeah, <laughs> we've we, we've got this be, because we've got a book called Gray's Anatomy where we name every single part of the body. We tend to think of things as being different parts uh, of the body. Yeah, individual standalone pieces. But, and Grey's Anatomy is a great book. I love it. <laughs> but it, you know, sometimes as people, we can look at all that information and then become convinced that everything is actually separate when it's in fact not. The body is mm. a single unit and is designed to function as such. 
there are lots of subsystems, but when yep. one subsystem starts to uh, work improperly, another subsystem must necessarily work harder. And our, you know, we have these dysfunctional compensational movement patterns. Initially, it's just a physical response. It's a physical stimulus okay. and response largely in the body. But over time, it becomes ingrained in our, our nervous system, ingrained in our brain. And especially if these movement patterns are tied into emotional trauma, that is when they become really difficult Ooh. to overcome. Do you have any example of that? Yeah, definitely. So uh, think about someone who rolls their ankle uh, or maybe okay. broke their ankle when they were young. And they spent a long time limping because of that. And, you know, babying that side, essentially. Yeah. Even after the pain is gone, they may retain that type of uh, the vestiges of that, of that gait pattern. Because at a subconscious level, subconscious level, they may be afraid of rolling it again. So they're still babying that side. Mm. Right. In um, most of these come in, some form of, of, of that, but okay. it can also uh, present in other ways as well. Someone who has suffered a lot of abuse may uh, be in this kind of constantly, constantly curled in protective shape, right? Um, yes. Especially on the, uh, female side on the male side so some men who have been subject to abuse tend to be overtly aggressive instead right so they might always be leaning forward as if they're getting into someone's face right uh the, these types I, of things actually that's so cool to think that posture is showing trauma yes it, it certainly can um especially when we get yeah. into the ways that the hip flexors respond, you know, your primary hip flexors, your iliopsoas muscles, they attach at the top of the femur, go yeah. through the pelvis, attach to yeah. the front of the spine, of the lumbar spine. Yeah. They are a very, um, they're a widely talked about muscle in, in the world of posture therapy because they tend to be largely dictate pelvic tilt and pelvic rotation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, however, try to try to flex your psoas muscle for me. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's it's a muscle that is largely involuntarily controlled. I, I, yeah, know, I can't. If I ask someone to yeah. flex their bicep, they say, "Okay, yeah, I can flex my bicep." But the psoas muscle is largely involuntarily controlled, so it's it can be more susceptible to these types of uh, of, of emotional traumas as well. Um, oh. You think it's a place where people hold trauma as well, since it's involuntary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it is a place where trauma, because I've seen where they do these releases where people have trauma, like they have a, a reaction to a, um, a not a massage, but it's a pressure point. And the psoas seems to be a place where they they get a lot of like a physical body response when yes. they, when they actually release that tension. Well, if, yeah, they talk about it, that. a body response, certainly. So the psoas muscle, if your psoas muscle is, is dysfunctional, either too long or too short, yeah. 
or too strong or too weak or some combination thereof, uh, it can, it, it, it has like a cascading effect on the rest of yeah. the system, especially because it's going to affect the curve in the spine. And therefore once, once the curve in the spine is compromised, the entire upper body is, is compromised okay. in one way or another. Uh, it, it's, it can affect uh, femur rotation. So uh, when the psoas muscles are really tight, it can pull the femurs and, and point the kneecaps out essentially. And that's if the kneecaps are out, are out of position, well, the mm. ankles and the toes are they're going to necessarily be compromised. So yeah, like just correcting the, the position of, of the, or, or if you have one psoas muscle, if they're out of balance, normally most okay. people's are, are not dysfunctional in the same way on each side. Right. So you might get <laughs> it would be pelvic. easier. That, it would be easier that way. Right. <laughs> the goal is actually usually to get them dysfunctional in the same way. On each yeah, side exactly. Exactly. Before you try to restore overall position, we want to restore bilateral symmetry before we oh. go into that. And when I find that someone has, um, pelvic rotation and I might put them in, I've got a device right here actually called a multi-positioning tower where you can put a foot pedal and, and have someone's foot go in here. It's a form of traction that actually works for the hip flexors. And, uh, you know, if I'm having, I, I often find that if I put you know, someone like binaural beats or like shamanic drumming tracks, okay. uh, getting the two hemispheres of the brain working together, can help yes. the two psoas muscles work together as well. Huh? Really? Well, each muscle is controlled by a different side of the brain, right? So, <laughs> if if they've been the, if if they've had this dysfunction, if they've had this difference in how their hip flexors are working for years or decades, most most oftentimes it's going to be ingrained in the brain at that point, the, especially because it's an involuntarily controlled muscle. Yeah. That is, but you know, my mind is officially blown. Right? <laughs> that, you know, that you put on the the drumming, <laughs> the drumming beat, and you can, and it makes total. I mean, obviously, it makes total sense, and right? It's involuntary. It, the brain. There's the also mind. a cultural barrier here, though. So, people who are really closed off to this idea of the idea that their brain controls their body, in our culture, this is a very uh, stigmatized type of thing. Yeah. Um, that that our our that our brain and our body are. Well, our brains and our body is part of the same thing. Mind blowing, right? Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but it, it is, um, especially people who have been suffering from a lot of chronic pain, can be. I used to be. I used to be offended at the idea that it was all in my head, you know. Um, and especially when you start getting. Uh, when you walk into a doctor's office and they start, you know, you feel like you're already being treated like a junkie before you even start talking because they just see that you've been in pain for such a long time. They just assume you're asking for pain meds, you know, and, or they assume that uh, you're making it up for, for yeah, whatever, sure. whatever other uh, benefit of, of being, <laughs> of being seen as someone who's in pain all the time. Um, and, When, when, especially if we're relying on the medical system to make us better, if we haven't like taken ownership of the problem yet, 
That's it. Can be we don't yeah, yeah. we don't want the we don't want this answer that that our brain is because we already know that de things like depression and anxiety and PTSD have relatively low success rates of treatment. Right? People mm. don't want to hear that it's a mental health problem. They want someone else to, to fix it <laughs> because our culture is raised in that way, and. Mm this feeds into the mental health problem overall because yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, until we really take responsibility for what's happening in our own bodies, it's really difficult to make progress until we accept that our brains create real symptoms. And if you don't believe me, look at someone with phantom limb pain. Okay. Someone for those of you who don't know, phantom limb pain occurs when if you lose, uh, if you lose a limb in an accident and war, whatever it might be, uh, you might might have uh, lost your arm from the from above the elbow down, but you feel pain in your hands still. Hands, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or in the forearm or somewhere else, some other yeah. part of the body that isn't there. Well, the brain is creating those symptoms. The brain is creating mm. those phantom limb pain symptoms. And that's why it's so frustrating for people who are experiencing this. Now, there's lots of interesting research going on with psychedelics. In fact, the first study with psychedelics and phantom limb pain was published in 1930. It's been, it's been around for a long time. Whoa. Um, with mescaline by Julius Zador, uh, a German physician back in the 20s and 30s. Um, in the 1960s, they, there was a study published with LSD with stellar results low dose LSD. This isn't even like big doses, but what's going on is the body schema has been altered. Yeah. Body schema is the brain's model of how the, how the body functions. Right. Yes. And it knows how, how bent our limbs are, how our body is positioned with respect to gravity. It knows if we've injured an area previously and we're trying to protect that to, to prevent for further injury. These are all mm. alterations to the body schema. And overall, posture deviations become alterations to the body schema as well. If, if your shoulder is sitting like this for several years, your brain is going to eventually yep. develop this model that this is how my shoulders are supposed to function. This is how they're supposed to sit. This is how it's supposed to move. So all posture eventually becomes an issue of becomes, body schema. Whoa, becomes hardwired in the brain. Hardwired in the brain, yes. And just like phantom limb pain, if the the brain still has this body schema of, okay, I'm, I'm expecting input. I'm expecting yeah. sensory input from the hands, from the arm, from the elbow, but it's not getting it. Our brains can fill in the gaps using the model it already has, just generating this, just generating symptoms based off of because the areas of the brain that this was mapped to are still there. Well, the last, and the last thing the brain felt from the hand was probably pain. Yeah, probably sometimes the, the, yeah. the last because mm -hmm. well, you lost your arm. Yeah, you know, and, the last and, recorded or, or message just, was ouch. Yeah. Also, if the you know, pain's purpose in the body is to tell us there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like you're so, missing your hand. Like <laughs> go, you're yeah. Go, so, find, go find your hand. Yeah. So the brain knows it's not getting sensory data. It knows yeah, something yeah. is wrong. And so it creates a symptom of pain to bring awareness to the fact that something I, is wrong. I think that's what the pain you were saying earlier, and, and I kind of jumped to that conclusion that the that the pain that the brain is creating is telling you something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's the purpose of pain. Pain pain is supposed to be helpful. Problem is our body didn't come with a troubleshooting manual, right? 
Yeah, I, I need one of those. I need one of those diagnostic kits, right? Um, and, and our system is not that great at it right, all the time. Right? Right. I mean, there's some good miracles, but there's a lot of really bad stories. You know, there's some tough stories. And now my work, my research and posture is going towards let's combine the psychedelic experience with posture therapy because that's yeah. Let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about breakthrough. Yeah, let's talk about what you're doing now. I mean, I think what you know what you're. What are you doing now and, and how are you helping people and what do you see yeah. yourself doing coming up? So right now I'm, uh, I've got a podcast called chronic pain rewired okay. and that's where I'm talking all about psychedelics for chronic pain in general, including with posture therapy, but also other aspects. Cluster headaches are, uh, there's, there's incredible success treating cluster headaches with psilocybin or LSD. I would imagine. Um, <laughs> I would imagine. And I've got a great episode on that. Um, yeah, there, there's all, all types of, of various issues and ways that chronic pain can help with, uh, or psychedelics can help with chronic pain, especially when it comes to the mental health aspects of chronic pain hmm. and preventing our brain from creating these symptoms or making them, or, or maybe there was a, a physical symptom originally that persisted for so long but the brain's model just, oh, I've been in pain with this specific in my in my hip for 10 years. Well, yeah. maybe maybe the physical cause of the hip pain is gone, but the brain is still worried that the hip might be compromised. So it just keeps on creating that pain, right? <laughs> they're, uh, they're, it's still worried there's something wrong and it's trying to protect you. Pain is meant to protect us. Yeah. It just doesn't feel yeah. like it. <laughs> now, but I like um, that realization. I like that realization is trying to tell you something's off. Yes, and I'm writing a book called The Posture Delic Hypothesis based off of uh, my ideas for combining posture therapy with, uh, with, with the psychedelic experience. And I'm working with people in this space as well. I've, hmm. uh, I've learned how to facilitate psychedelic sessions through my, uh, my oh, church have you? sanctuary. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I, I'm a member of a, of a mushroom church. <laughs> sanctuary stole with a P like psilocybin and uh, I've, I've received extensive training through the church with, with, with regards to facilitating these types of sessions. And um, I, I do, I do approach this from more of a spiritual perspective than a clinical perspective. Uh, that's okay. uh, my, my experience with, with psilocybin drives me to the uh, spiritual and mystical sides of, of, of reality. Uh, but um, the, yeah, I'll tell you real quick about the first time I facilitated one of these sessions with another person. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. And I know we're up to the 30 minute mark. I'll, I'll keep it it's pretty so, quick here. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> this kind um, of, any story about psilocybin, I'm willing to go way over. <laughs> so, this is someone who I'd actually worked with for about two years uh, with standard mm. posture therapy. Okay. And we've seen amazing progress, absolutely amazing progress. Uh, he had two fake knees. He has rotator cuff surgeries on both arms. The doctor had sniffed the bicep in one of the arms when he did the surgery. Uh, when, 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 he, when we first started working together, he was in really poor shape. Now, okay. uh, he had carpal tunnel syndrome, which was originating, we believe, from the neck, not from yeah. here. Um, and... He was, he was a database developer. He was having trouble working because he couldn't type on the keyboard because he couldn't feel his fingers. You know, he, was, he was in really bad shape. And uh, you know couldn't walk upstairs easily, was in chronic pain all the time. 
now with just posture therapy last last uh, last winter he was skiing uh, you know several days and, and hiking you know and doing all these great things so we had made lots of progress but there were still these issues few areas where you know we had got the hands to get feeling back but the fingertips still had problems with numbness okay. and tingling and pins and needles and pain in the fingertips uh, okay. we had an issue with uh, this tightness in his in his right hip that just could not be addressed and he had this actually because of the shoulder surgery and the stent bicep he had this issue where he couldn't do this he was doing this okay. type of thing right he had that that exact thing that um and so after about six months of stalled progress where he just was not seeing any movement on any of these fronts despite that he was very he was religious about doing these these routines uh, we decide to give the psilocybin a shot. And, he and took, had he ever done anything like it? Uh, once before. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he had taken a uh, about a three gram dose um, earlier in the year. And then now when I take people through these sessions, I advise smaller doses. I can't administer medicine. That's not how this works. <laughs> but, I can, you know, uh, the kind of doses that we're looking for is where you get closed eye visuals, but when you have your eyes open, essentially no visual disturbances. So we're working with okay. moderate doses. We're not, we're not blasting someone to the stratosphere. They need to be able to move their body. They need to be able to be safe about moving their body. They need to be able to balance you know, because we're exercising while you're on psilocybin. Um, okay. Okay. However, the visual, uh, the closed eye visuals can play a huge role with how mm. things go forward with, with, with the actual healing we're relying or what we're hoping to, to achieve is some sort of visual synesthesia where they begin uh, processing the, their sensory information through their visual cortex. I'll give you an example okay. of what that means. So when I it took me through about a dozen exercises and things were just kind of going smoothly and then I put him into a position we call static wall. A lot of people may be familiar with this one. Uh, it's popular in some types of yoga where you have your uh, back on the ground, your legs up against the wall, butt, up, butt is up against the wall and okay. legs are straight and the bottom of the feet are, point, are pointing towards the ceiling. Now, what I found here was one of his feet was going pretty much straight up towards the ceiling. The other foot was cockeyed like this. And I'd never seen this severe of a dysfunction in this position with this person before. So I figure, you know, he was, psilocybin can relax your muscles to a large degree. So maybe he was just in a oh. low back state and this was showing up more. Well, I yes. know what to do to correct that deviation. When I see that deviation or really it's a dysfunction because we're taking through exercise. But when I see that, I know I need to put a strap around the ankles and a block between the feet and the pressure from the strap and the pressure from the block forces the feet into a more neutral position. So I do that. And very shortly thereafter, within a minute or two max, he's laying there with his eyes closed. The visuals on this side of the body, just or this right side of his field of view, just go black. He's still got all this stuff going over, going over here, but it's completely black over here. His body isn't able to, his brain is like, whoa, there's something different down here and is showing up in his visual cortex. Now, Whoa. I started asking, okay, well, try to make it come back. 
Yeah, we're we're like really relying on kind of innate healing wisdom of the body at this point. Yeah, I I gave him some uh, like some headphones to listen to some binaural beats. I uh, used some kind of basic internal family systems and asked him to start talking to it. You know, <laughs> and he he starts looking at it. Uh, he he starts telling it like, okay, you don't need to protect me anymore because now he's. He, it started in his ankle, but now he's feeling it, that problem in his hip that wasn't resolved, that problem in his shoulder that wasn't resolved, this pain in his neck that wasn't resolved. He was feeling it, this whole chain of, of, of events from this alteration in his, his ankle Turning position. the foot, and it just lined everything. Everything mm -hmm. else kind of went, oh, what's right. going on? Yeah, yeah. Everything else started, started to wake yeah, up. Whoa, wait. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and... And he eventually he started seeing uh, over here. He started his visual. He, he reported to me that his visuals turned into like circuitry and wiring uh, being reconnected over here. And then over here, it starts to go between black and white instead of just being completely <laughs> dead over here. It starts to go between black and white. Crazy. And eventually, he tells me, "Okay, take the strap and the block off." They're telling me to move, and he. He's, you know, he's laying on the ground, his legs up the wall. He kind of rolls to the side and just starts going into these weird positions. And he's like, they're telling me to do this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, here's what I can tell you is that we had for a year and a half or better part of two years, really been trying to get him to do something simple, like take a glass of water and bring it over his head without any compensations. And we had failed with every, literally hundreds of exercises I had tried with this. Yeah, we were at the point, well, maybe that doctor snipped the bicep and it's never coming back. We weren't really yeah. sure. I don't believe in never because of what happened with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you, should, I, you, are, you I, are not a never guy. <laughs> but this, he, he was at the point where I, he's just, you know, John, I don't think this is ever going to come back. I don't think I'm ever yeah. going to use his shoulder again. Immediately after that session, he grabbed a, he, it was a bottle of mustard from his fridge, but he grabbed it and went, no problems. And this is something that every physical therapy, he spent a, uh, just countless dollars on physical therapy uh, and injections and, you know, everything the medical system had to throw at it. It was a similar, a similar situation as to me. And then, it's a mind map. It was a mind map in the end. It was a mind map in the end, yes. And, and it, somebody whispering in his ear. <laughs> and we, the, these aren't any exercises that he hadn't done before. At least none of the stuff I asked him to do. When when the mushroom, when when he's the when he, they were telling him to do whatever, that was stuff I had I never had him do before. But it was all initiated with stuff he had done before, just never gotten the same results, throw in the psilocybin and things change drastically. Yeah. And like you said, the mind all of a sudden visualizes how the mechanics mm -hmm. are working or should mm -hmm. be working. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that experience showed up as, you know, the first time I decided to do posture therapy while I was on psilocybin, this is the second time I'd ever, I'd ever taken psilocybin. This, this for me, I know we talked about this on the jar podcast, but yeah. uh, for me, this showed up as a visualization of the human body, of a musculoskeletal yeah. system. And it was mimicking every exercise I did. And then I asked it, well, okay, you're, well, you're mimicking everything I do, but 
what do I need to do to get better? I asked it, what do I need to do to get better? And it started doing exercises and I start following it, right? So this can show up in different ways for different people. A <laughs> um, couple of thoughts. One is I have, I interviewed somebody who was starting up a kind of a tour company for, mm-hmm. for, for psilocybin. So I should hook you up with that person. Yeah, um, because yeah, there, yeah, because now that you've been you've been <laughs> through the coursework, you know, he may have clients for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is just sharing, you know, I was around a couple of older gentlemen this weekend, and they're both kind of walking, you know, that 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 mm-hmm. the P band, right? That frontal yeah. Yeah, is just yeah. is squeezing them down and they're walking, you know how and they can't mm-hmm. quite they can't quite straighten up. Yeah, and if they do try to straighten up, their hips are going to go forward. Or oh, yeah, some weird stuff. Or, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. If, some if, weird shit's going to happen if, they, if you if try to stand actually, up. Yeah, if they were actually force themselves to go out, they're, they're going to get all kinds of weird things going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it exactly. They're walking around literally kind of half-cocked at the hip. Mm-hmm. And I know that's absolutely the pee muscle right there. And it just if they lay down on one of those balls, I just did that about a week or so ago. Um, cause I felt like I was kind of getting tight in the yeah. front. I was squeezing, you know, and, and for, cause I was sitting a lot and driving, mm-hmm. man, I laid down on the ground and I put, you know, one of those rubber hard, uh, lacrosse balls. Yeah. Right. And I just laid on it mm-hmm. and man, you got to eat that pain because it just, <laughs> it, it's sharp when it's tight. Yeah. I, and, I prefer this instead because generally it doesn't hurt to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I need that thing. Cause man, I tell you what I lay on that. Oh man. And it's, but it's, you know, when you, when you do relax and the, and the pain kind of dissipates mm-hmm. uh, and then you stand up, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you can get, oh. if you can affect change to the psoas muscle. Um, yeah. F- for me personally, I'm a whip. I don't like to do things that hurt. So I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've had enough. Apparently, you've had enough pain. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not really a pain fan. Uh, yeah, but if, if you can find a way to to affect change of the psoas muscle, big things can happen for sure. Yeah. How do how do people? I mean, John, how do people find you and all that good stuff? I know we'll we'll put some links in and everything when we're done. Um, but but how do people find you? Yeah, definitely. So you can find me on my website www.chronicpainrewired.com I talk about chronic pain rewired because we're literally rewiring the brain with psychedelics, right? Yeah, I'm throwing that up on uh, and- the <laughs> on the visual now. Chronicpainrewired.com. Yeah, chronicpainrewired.com. That's the name of my podcast. You can find it on Spotify, oh, Apple, cool. all, all the major platforms. Uh, you can find me on YouTube as Posture Monster John on Instagram, Facebook. All the major social medias as the same posture monster John. On my YouTube, I've got several, I've got a lot of videos of different posture exercises and various routines that you can uh, try to get started at no cost and see how some of the stuff might feel for you as an individual. I just always tell people if it hurts, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if if it's hurting when you're doing it, don't do it. That's always a good one. Stop doing it. It's always like a good. That was a good one from my all my. <laughs> good uh weightlifting instructors all my good gym coaches always the thing was if it even and i was surprised like that one growing up in the 70s 
you know, as a, if it hurts, you're doing it right. Double down. Yeah, that's, pain is weakness leaving the body. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. If it hurts, you're 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 going to injure yourself eventually. Yeah, and and I, and it took me raised under those kind of rules. It, it kind of surprised me because I had these, you know, these hard ass gym guys who would make me cry in pain. Yep. But the, from physic from from a, a muscle pain that they had prescribed, like you're right, going to do this yeah. exercise. This should this part of your body should hurt. Mm-hmm. If this part of the body hurts, stop. You know, and it is like, and I'm like, well, I ain't gonna stop. It hurts a little bit. And they're like, no, no, you stop. If it hurts <laughs> yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Outside of what I tell you should hurt, you need to stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If, if it's more than just like, oh, I can feel that muscle activating, or this is really tiring. Yeah, if, yeah. If it's if it's anything more than that, like, yeah, you're you're playing with fire. I don't care how small the pain is. Yeah, you're probably doing something wrong. And mm-hmm. um, John, awesome conversation again. You know, I really enjoyed having <laughs> you on the jar. I think for anybody you know listening on the recorded show, or if you're listening live on this, um, we've also got the jar podcast uh, john's on there and it's a really in-depth conversation around his personal journey uh and yeah. then also a quite a good discovery on his healing part it's great con- we had it is a great pod as a great show Ooh. um you getting a little oh, buzz some kind of weird static going on my fridge has turned on it i may can't be hear it. you anymore oh can you hear me now Hmm. Where did I go? Uh, is that on your end or my my fridge just started? I don't know. It could be that. That would be strange. Seems I've lost John. Um I can't hear you. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Some type of weird static. Hang on, people. We're going to end the show anyway. John, thanks for thanks for being a thanks for being a guest. Um, thanks for everybody for listening and supporting mental health today. Really appreciate your support. Uh, you can find all of our episodes uh, here, and also you can find us on um, YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and even Twitter. Thanks again, John. Um, thanks everybody for listening and supporting the Jar. Um, as well, sorry, as well as mental health today. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from Ooh. the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change